Good morning. In the Bible, they had doves and toti. We have starlings. And those things are quite vicious. I have a healthy respect for them. So, oh, My daughter this morning promised. She's like, Mom, please don't preach for long. So I won't keep you long this morning because apparently we have places to go. I don't know what they wear or what they are. Apparently we have places to go. Um, but welcome this morning. We are busy with a series at the moment through the book of James. So this is the third week. And um, if you haven't been here or if you've missed one or both of the previous messages, I really encourage that you go online. All of the messages are on the podcast. It's really worth a listen to. And even if you were here, it's worth, it's worth a re-listen to um, because there are just such important foundations that Tim laid in those weeks. And as I said, we're going through the book of James. And the, the author of James, as Tim mentioned in the first week, is largely believed to have been the half-brother of Jesus, James. Um, and the book was written probably about 20 or 30 years after Jesus' uh, crucifixion, sometime between 48 AD and 62 AD, when we know that James was uh, executed, he was stoned to death. Um, and there's even some evidence to suggest that the author James, even being the half-brother of Jesus, there is some evidence to suggest that he didn't start off a believer. He didn't necessarily start off as a follower of, of his own brother and going, yes, this is the way. So the book of James is probably most likely written by a person much like you and I, who has gone through struggles, who has grown, who has developed. And the central theme of the book of James is one of growing into spiritual maturity. Is there any chance, would anyone mind if we close that door too, only because I'm going to lose my notes as we go, I'm already holding them down. Is that all right? Will it make it too stuffy? Are we good? We'll all be nice and close and warm together. All right, so basically, Tim did mention, and I'm just going to quickly recap in the, first, uh, in the first week, he mentioned that as we go through the book of James, he's often likened it to eating the vegetables, you know? Sometimes the messages can come across as seeming very heavy, but the idea is not for them to kind of pinpoint or punish or make anyone feel out or spare, but rather for each of us ourselves to take the message and to weigh it against our own hearts and to use it as a sort of a mirror to hold up to our own lives and see where we're at. Because as Tim quoted in the first week by Os Oswald Chambers said, spiritual maturity is not reached by the passing of years, but by obedience to the will of God. You're not automatically mature because you've been in church for 30 or 40 or 50 years. You mature because you hunger after and seek after and apply the truths that the book of the, of, of the Word of God gives us. And um, throughout the series, there are five core truths to the book of James. I hope it's okay. I'm just doing a quick recap, then we'll get into today's message. And the first, the first sort of, um, what would you call it, key maturity level is how we handle testing, which Tim spoke about in the first two weeks, how we handle trials and temptations. Then we're going to look at how we handle truth, how we handle our tongue, how we handle patience, and how we handle prayer. And each of these, each of these key messages in the book of James is meant to bring about a level of maturity, a level of sort of going deeper with God. James puts it like this, and this is the key verse for today, and you're going to hear it quite a few times today in quite a few different versions. James says this in James 1, 21 to 25. He says, therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. 
For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. He observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Today, I'd like to speak about how maturity in our faith can be brought about by authentic truth and the application thereof. In other words, taking our faith, a true faith, and putting it into action. I'm a teacher by trade, and we know, and I'm sure you all know, that the lessons you've learned in life, the ones that are most pertinent, the ones that stick the most, the ones that you remember the most, are the ones that you held in your hand before you held them in your head or your heart. Correct? In other words, we learn by doing. We can learn by hearing, but the true knowledge and the true knowledge that sticks with, with us comes about because of something that we do. How many of you have got something that looks like this at home or in your wallet right now? Hopefully in your wallet if you drove here, okay? You don't because I'm holding yours. So my husband has one and I have one. These are driver's licenses for those who may not know what they are or may not have one, all right? The driver's license tells the world that I have gone through all the right tests or paid all the right people. No, I'm joking. Don't cut that out. <laughs> I have gone through all the right tests. I didn't pay anyone much. <laughs> okay. No, we're back, back, back. Okay. This is serious. This is a serious sermon, people. All right. Driver's license tells the world that you get pulled over. The police officer is doing a check, the traffic cop. He goes, can I see your license? This tells him that you are allowed to drive. <laughs> Doesn't tell him what kind of driver you are, <laughs> right? So my husband, in fact, no, let's do this before I tell you what he does for a living. Who do you think would be the better driver out of Fricky and myself? Anyone want anyone to guess? Me, naturally, thank you. All right. <laughs> we have gift packs. <laughs> So here's the truth of it. I am a teacher. I drive maybe five kilometers a day. I live 200 meters from where I work, but I still drive there. Um, I drive maybe five kilometers a day, fetch the kids, drop them off, whatnot. So, I mean, I can drive. I like to think I can drive well. There's hardly any bumps and dents in my car, all right? Um, hardly any. Um, my husband, however, his job is permanently on the road. He is a key account manager, so he is forever, he's, he's repping, he's always out there. He could probably drive with his eyes closed, I'm glad you don't, but he probably could, right? I hope my sister doesn't mind me saying this. My sister who lives in Bermuda, she's lived there now for 16 years, she has also got a car that looks like this. It's also up to date. She has not driven a car in 16 years. She has all the right knowledge. She's an excellent driver. She used to drive a lot, but she hasn't done it in 16 years. So if I say to you, we are going on a long trip. Our family takes a road trip every year. We go down to Cape Town. We're, we're driving for like two days, 2,000 odd Ks. We're driving to Cape Town. Who do you think gets to be the designated driver the whole trip? Who do you think gets to be the driver? Exactly. Why? Because he's got the most practice. I could do it. I could trust myself to go, but to be honest, I don't feel like I've practiced enough to travel across the country. And if you ask my sister, like when she's visiting, if you go, Mel, do you want to drive? She's like, no, thank you, right? We've all got the same knowledge, 
but it's the practical application that brings about the expertise. It, it doesn't help, like James says, to be only a hearer. You can know the theory of driving a car, but if you never actually get behind the steering wheel and learn and put it into practice and practice often so that you keep up those skills, you are not going to be the best driver you can be. Likewise with our faith. There are key factors. There are key points. There are key principles. There are key elements to our faith that we are called to apply, not just to know, but to apply in order to step into a spiritual maturity that God has called us to. I'd like to read James 1 again. This time I'm going to read it from the easy read version, which I didn't know existed until a few weeks ago. <laughs> it says this. Yo, no, we trapped one inside, guys. This is, okay, true. <laughs> okay, so get rid of everything evil in your lives, every kind of wrong you do. Be humble and accept God's teaching that is planted in your hearts. This teaching can save you. Do what God's teaching says. Don't just listen and do nothing. When you only sit and listen, you are fooling yourselves. Hearing God's teaching and doing nothing is like looking at your face in the mirror and doing nothing about what you saw. You go away and immediately forget how bad you looked. I, I don't know if that's like a direct, that's, that's the easy read says, it's biblical. I mean, think about it. You go up, you're like, oh, look, I have a big smudge on my forehead. And then you walk away and you do nothing about it. But when you look into God's perfect law that sets people free, pay attention to it. If you do what it says, you will have God's blessing. Never just listen to his teaching and forget what you've heard. You remember, and I know I've said this plenty of times before, scripture is full of verbs. It's full of action words. If we just take the action words out of that portion of scripture, this is, what, this is what it says. Get rid of everything evil. Be humble and accept God's teaching. Do what God's teaching says. Look into God's perfect law. Pay attention to it and do what it says. We need to be active in our faith. All of those verbs are not meant to just be good head knowledge. They're meant to be practical keys that help us unlock the maturity God has for us, that help us unlock the fullness of life that we have been promised. In Romans 2 verse 13, it says this, hearing the law does not make people right with God. They will be right before him only if they always do what the law says. Verse 15 of the same chapter, lower down, this is now from the message, says this, they show, this is people that have applied the law, they show that God's law is not something alien, imposed on us from without, but woven into the very fabric of our creation. There is something deep within them that echoes God's yes and no, right and wrong. Imagine having that set of our lives. We don't just have the head knowledge, we have God's God's very word woven into the fabric. It's not just a, an idea, it's a lifestyle. And that is what we are called to. I love the way that the message puts that verse. I love it. I love that, that it's not something imposed on us, it's something that grows within us. You see, spiritual maturity is not a performance. It's not a show that we put on for people. I was actually, something that struck me there um, while we were praising and worshiping, and was, was as important as it is 
just how inconsequential some moments in our lives are. And the thought that struck me there was, here I am, so nervous to preach. I don't need to preach in heaven. I assume I don't. I'm going to guess that, you know, everyone there will know the word. And it's, it's important moments, but echoed across eternity. I was sitting there going, please don't let me mess this up. Don't let me mess this up. I do that all the time. Um, and, and I kind of got the sense of, well, you know what, even if you do, in the bigger scheme of things, those moments, those seasons that we go through, those mistakes we make, those challenges we face, yes, they build us up to bigger things, but in the scheme of things, how do they weigh against our eternity? One of the most powerful, I don't want to use the word frequencies, but one of the most powerful elements, or one of the, the key characteristics that a person can have I mean, we've got a lot of emotions. We can be angry. We can have despair. We can have love. Does anyone know what one of the most powerful sort of elements of our being is? We would automatically kind of say love, like love is above all else. It is, but authenticity, apparently in scientific studies, is four times more powerful than love. Because from it, love and all other emotions are born. We need to be authentic in our faith. In our inner core, there needs to be a truth and an authenticity. We can put on a good show. We can say the right words. We can have the right actions. We can fool the world. We can even fool ourselves, but we can't fool God. You see, doing is not the end goal. We go, be doers of the word. We're like, oh, now I have to do stuff. Doing is not the end goal. It's a result and an evidence of the faith and the, the, the love of God in our, in our lives shining out. In Matthew 23, Jesus says this to the, to the scribes and the Pharisees. They're having a, a debate, and it's gone on for a few chapters, and eventually he starts to berate them. And he says this. So this is Matthew 23, 25 to 28. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. It's a heavy portion of Scripture but I believe it is such an important one. You see, the Pharisees were known for putting on a very good, very godly show. They could say the right things. They could walk the right walk. They could talk the right talk. Jesus even said they would stand on the street corners in their religious gear, and they would pray and have all the right words, but their hearts were far from God. Our goal in hearing today's word and going, okay, I must be a doer, not a hearer. Our goal is not, oh, now I must do. Our goal is, Lord, change me from the inside out that doing becomes natural. How many of you know that when you're driving a car, that first time you get behind the wheel as a learner, it's nerve-wracking. And then you, you learn and you get your license, but you actually only, am I, I mean, maybe it was just me, but you only truly learn to drive when you are out driving and you're a licensed driver. That's when your confidence comes. That's when it grows, right? 
You've got to have that practical faith. It's coming from the inside out to the point that you can sometimes drive and not have to think, oh, I must now brake, I must now clutch, change this gear, change that gear. It becomes a natural part of your driving ability. The doing that we're speaking about today, the be doers of the word, is not, oh, you must now remember, do that, do that, do that. It's a case of, sorry, I'm losing my voice. It's a case of going, it's so habitual, it's so part of your being that you can't help but do what the word says. True active faith is, is born from a place of authenticity. When we have an authentic faith, when we seek after God with our hearts and with our whole hearts, the true faith is born in us and we can't help but shine. A light bulb doesn't walk around going, I'm a light bulb, I'm a light bulb, I'm a light bulb, I'm a light bulb. It just shines. You won't need to walk around going, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. You will just shine. As Dane, you were saying, when people look at your life, you don't, have to, you, you, you don't sometimes even have to testify with words. They'll look at your life and go, something's happening there, and I like it, and I want to know more. That's what it is to have true, authentic faith. There's a story, and I know I've shared this before. There's a story that's, um, that was told a few years ago, and I know I've shared it. Um, it's a story about a Christian missionary whose church sent him to go and um, spread the gospel to a very remote tribe. And when he got there, the, the chief of the tribe said, that's fine, you can live with us, you can stay here with us, but you're not allowed to preach. Like, you will not share this gospel. You can live among my people, but you will not have church services and preach. And so that's what the man did. He honored it. He obviously listened to the spirits, and he lived among the tribe. And after a few years, he passed away, and the church sent another missionary in his place. Only this time, the chief's heart had softened, and so he was a little bit more open and allowed the second missionary to share something of the gospel. And as soon as this man started to speak and to tell them who Jesus was and the kind of life that he lived here on earth, the people of the tribe stopped him and went, no, 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 don't worry, we know Jesus, because he lived here and he passed away a few months ago. Could that not be said of our own lives? We don't need shirts. I mean, the shirts are cool. I'm not knocking anyone that wears them, but the wearing of the shirt that says City Hill <laughs> doesn't tell everyone. <laughs> ah. The next part of my sermon is <laughs> about forgiveness and grace. <laughs> Our church motto, and I've written it here, is to know Jesus and to make him known. Yes, there are times for that direct faith, but I mean, how awkward if you walk up to every person, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Do you know? Sometimes they just want to know Jesus because they know you and, and, and his light shines through you. It's not enough that we just listen to the word. We need to an- allow the word to change us from the inside out so that it takes root in our hearts and we shine. And then we don't have to declare, I'm a light bulb, I'm a light bulb, I'm a light bulb, because the world can see the light. The more time you spend with God, the closer you pull to him, the more you, you apply his word to your day-to-day situations, the more your light shines. Our actions can't be forced. Um, it's got to become an authentic faith. In Galatians 2.20, I don't have this one on scripture, but it says this, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live in faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. 
This is such a simple message and such an important one. I could stand here all day, maybe I will, and just say it and say it and say it and say it. But only you and I can put it into action. And they'd done some sort of um, study. Do you know, we obviously all have habits that we do, you know, like you brush your teeth and you brush your hair, and there's certain habits that you do throughout the day. Does anyone want to hazard a guess as to what the most common action done during the day is? We do it 50 plus times and more on average. Anyone know? Do they? Check our phones. 50 plus times a day we check our phones. I was prepping this morning, and I was going through stuff, and I picked up my phone, and it was suddenly half an hour later, and I was like, oh, we do that 50 times a day. Someone here is going, no, 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 I don't do it 50 times. Well, then how often do you get off your phone? You know, sometimes we have it in front of us. You you pick it up once, you're there for five hours. That doesn't count. That's just once. Imagine if we picked up our Bibles as much as we picked up our phones. Imagine if When I forgot my Bible at home, I turned the car around and went to fetch it because I couldn't get through the day without the Word of God. Logos, that that where it says uh, in James, where it speaks about applying the Word, doing the Word, it's the word logos in the Greek, which literally means the uttered, spoken, the message of God. And it's the same word that is used in 1 John when it says the word became flesh and dwelt dwelt among us in in the incarnate form of Jesus. The word of God is the life of Jesus. It's the life that he lived. And they want us in that, in that scripture, in that portion where, where it says, James says, be doers of the word. He's saying, live the life that Jesus exemplified when he was here on earth. Follow in the footsteps of Christ. This isn't a big heavy going, well, figure it out yourselves. They're like, here's the roadmap. It's been given. Follow it. And all too often we're like, no, no, we know a detour. We know a shortcut. I won't, no. No, I will. Did any of you know there's a shortcut to Joburg that'll get you there in nine hours and past the Golden Gate National Park? (laughs) Uh, And now I'm going to be in trouble. (laughs) In the shortcuts. In Matthew 22, just prior to Matthew 23, where he's berated the, uh, the, the Pharisees, Jesus is speaking with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they're having this debate and this negotiation. And the one, so this is Matthew 22, verse 34. It says, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together, one of them, an expert in the law. Shame, do you guys want to open doors? I see people fanning themselves. Are we okay? Sorry. Okay. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. So you've got to remember, I think I said this a couple of weeks ago, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, these were the guys that knew the law inside out. And so one of them comes to Jesus to ask him a question, but it's actually a test. It's actually a question saying, let's see if we can trip you up. And he says this, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, to understand this question, you've got to understand that in the laws given to Moses, there were 10 commandments, Yes. Those were just the first 10 commandments. There were 603 other commandments that were given as well. So in total, 613 commandments in the Mosaic law. And these guys knew every single one of them. 
Imagine if someone had come to you and gone, oh, in order to follow God, you need to not only know, but you need to apply 613 different rules with all their own little intricacies. And so this guy's now said to Jesus, which is the most important law? Because now he's trying to trip him up. And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. We want true, authentic faith. If we want to be doers of the word, we need to pass everything we do through those two filters. Is what I'm saying, what I'm doing, what I'm thinking, does it honor God? Does it show my love for God? Does it put God first? Is what I'm about to do, what I'm about to say, what I've said, what I've done, what I'm planning on doing, all of those things, does it honor God's people? Not just the ones within the church, but does it honor all the people he has made? Am I showing God's love to everyone through what I'm doing? If we can pass it safely through those two filters, we are on the right track. If we are stopped up at either filter, we need to redirect and come to God. The responsibility to do this lies with us. I'd like to finish off by reading just one more time the message of James. This time from the message. James 1, 21 to 27. So throw all spoiled virtue and cancerous evil in the garbage. In simple humility, let our gardener, God, landscape you with the word, making a salvation garden of your life. Don't fool yourself into thinking you are a listener when you are anything but, letting the word go in one ear and out the other. Act on what you hear. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror. But whoever catches a glimpse, sorry, sorry, those who glance in the mirror walk away and two minutes later have no idea who they are and what they look like. But whoever whoever catches a glimpse of the revealed counsel of God, the free life, even out of the corner of his eye, and sticks with it, is no distracted scatterbrain, but a man or woman of action. That person will find delight and affirmation in the action. Anyone who sets himself up as religious by talking a good game is self-deceived. This kind of religion is hot air and only hot air. Real religion, the kind that passes muster before God the Father, is this. Reach out to the homeless and loveless in their plight. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And guard against corruption from the godless world. Love the Lord your God above all else. I've said it before the last time I was here. We do not spend time in the word. We do not spend time with God, speaking to him, allowing him to speak to us. And yes, he can speak to us through others, but more important that we learn to hear his voice ourselves. We need to be doers of the word, the whole word, the spoken word, the message, and that is where our authentic faith and our true active faith comes from. Can we pray together? And then we're going to spend some time taking communion And then afterwards, I'll ask the ministry team to come up for anyone who might want some prayer. Um, 
Shame. And if the guy's on the side, if you want to open the doors, I know it is getting quite hot and stuffy in here. Can we stand together? Is that all right? And there they go. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that though we might not deserve it, we are yours. We are chosen by you. We are designed by you. Father, help each and every one of us remember to put you first. Help us, Father, to form the habits that will help our faith to deepen. Help us, Lord, to to have the disciplines needed, Lord, that we seek your word above all else, that we apply your word first in our lives. Lord, that we live lives that love you, that honor you, that love your people, that honor your church. We ask, Father, that every single one of us would have the courage to take up this challenge, to apply it in our hearts. Lord, to hold up our faith as a mirror and to look at your word, Father, and to see those areas, Lord, where we need to seek you more. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.